0: Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Well, we've been in a four-part series. I shared that with you earlier. We've looked at the fear of change, uh, the fear of finances, and the fear of being alone. Today we're going to look at what may be the ultimate fear, and that is the fear of death. So if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 9... In a moment, we're going to read about three verses or so in uh, the message, The Fear of Death. This is the last of this series titled, No Worries. The Wall Street Journal quoted the late Steve Jobs in an article published in August of 2011. Here's what Steve Jobs had to say. When I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, If you live each day as if it were your last, someday you'll most certainly be right it made an impression on me. And since then, for the past 33 years, I have looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know that I need to change something. Remembering that I'll be dead soon, is has helped me to make the big choices in life because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remember that you are going to die or remembering that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You're already naked, Steve Jobs said. He spoke those words in August of 2011. On October the 5th of 2011, Steve Jobs died. Of all the fears of man, the fear of death is always near or at the top. Interestingly enough, In some uh, surveys, the fear of public speaking uh, is above the fear of death, and uh, some people would rather die, would rather, I guess, have their funeral than to be uh, uh, dead, Uh, but uh, you understand what I'm saying. I don't, but you do. Even if we're born-again believers, there's some sense of fearing the experience of death we're happy for the destination but we're a little hesitant to take a take the trip as we bring to the close this mini-series addressing the four fears that we have been facing I want to help us to deal with any fear of death that we might have so we read from Hebrews 9 verse 26 for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world but as it is He has appeared once for all, that he is Jesus, once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This morning, I want us to see three important truths that will help all of us face death or face the thought of death. Here they are. We're going to look at death's appointment. We're going to deal with death's anxiety. And then we'll close the message today by giving the answer or death's answer. Let's begin with death's appointment. Hebrews nine twenty-seven again just as it is appointed to man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Now here is a truth. Steve Jobs had it right. He had a lot of things right in his life. I don't know what Steve Jobs' faith was. Um, I don't uh, have any comment on that, but uh, he was a brilliant man in regard to um, computer technology and the like, and he did have it right that Facing death every day is a, uh, is a reality. We're all going to die. The only escape from death is what we believers understand to be the rapture of the church. That is, when Jesus comes for his saints. Other than that, we're going to face death. Before I'm through with this message today, you're going to know how to be prepared for either death or death. The rapture. But in dealing with death's appointments, let's just look at two or three things. First of all, let's understand the absolute <clears throat> of death. Not the possibility, but the absolute. And again, unless you're saved and living when the rapture of the church comes, you're going to die. All of us will die. We are never outright happy when someone dies. <clears throat> there can be a sense of joy, but we're not happy that someone has died. Now I will say this to you, Susie Martin's daddy, by virtue of his faith in Jesus Christ, assured everyone that he would be in heaven when he died. That being said, there is not a happiness that Susie has lost her daddy. We all have a sense of loss and a sense of unhappiness when we lose someone that we love. There was a lady in this church for many, many years, much longer than I've been in this church, and in a Sunday or two I I will uh, basically mark 22 years as the, as your pastor, as the pastor of this church. There was a lady who was here a lot longer than that. She never could walk very well. In fact, she, um, At one point in her life toward the end she had to be in a wheelchair to come to church if she was going to summon you over to come to see her she couldn't do this she had a different kind of emotion because but the communication between her brain and her her arms didn't work as well so it was more of an awkward uh, waving over it was precious but it was awkward when she waved you over because of the awkward motion when she spoke she could not speak very clearly and um, I understood her I could uh, I get down close to her where I could hear her above the, the background noise I understood her but not everybody could understand her at one time she told me when you first came here I didn't like you <clears throat> And then she followed up with that, but I love you now. Her name is Betty Fell. When she died, it gave me joy to know that her lifetime of cerebral palsy had given away to dancing on streets of gold. When she died, it gave me joy to think that as we were singing at her funeral service, she was singing along with Clarity. I was happy that she was speaking loud and clear. But I will tell you this when Betty passed away, I missed her. She lived with Ralph and Darlene Reynolds, and Darlene's husband Ralph, Darlene, who is here this morning. Darlene's husband Ralph passed away a few days before Betty passed away. That made her so mad. She was really angry, and she wasn't kidding. She was mad at Ralph for getting to go see the Lord before she got to go see the Lord. And she stated it. She wasn't happy about that at all. Betty's homegoing was a joyous occasion. Losing Betty was a sad occasion. When death comes, it's absolute, and there's a a certain sadness about it. Don't think that no one will be sad if you pass away. Someone will be. Not only is death an absolute, but death has an appointment. Our verse said, it is appointed to die. Death is a designation, one that belongs to God. Here's what Job said. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All of us should respect that God is the author and finisher of our lives. We should respect and revere and protect the right of God to give and to take away. And let me just say this, the ideas of abortion and suicide and, and murder and other forms of taking a life is taking from God His right to appoint life and death. It is in the hands of God when we live, or if we live, when we die. I said something earlier in my prayer about Jeff and Chelsea Williams' little girl, Lily Jane. Chelsea, I remember when you first told uh, your family that you were going to have a baby. It was a wonderful thing. You and Jeff uh, were married, and And it was a privilege in my life to to officiate your wedding. And as a husband and wife, you came together in life and intimacy and so on. But at some point, God decided there would be a Lily Jane. Now that was God's decision. He is the giver of life. He is not only the giver of life, he is the one who appoints the death. He appoints when life is is ended. It's a very simple process. It's not a uh, a complicated thing. And whenever we make a a decision that is arbitrary and beyond the uh, the hands of God, and we try to step in the way of God, then then we are taking from God His right to appoint death. Pastor Ray, are there any exceptions to that in the? Bible the only exception that I see to the God appointment of death is the idea of justice when that must be served and the idea of self-defense when that must happen otherwise we're stepping in the way of God if you ever thought about that you're so sad and lonely that you want to take your own life and others would be better without you before you do that you better think about this that belongs to God it doesn't belong to you and then and and I believe in God's book that's just as wrong as as terminating a a little baby inside of the mother's womb. Life and death are by appointment. There's a purpose for our lives. There's a purpose for the span of our lives. It's not often that we fully understand the, the timing of one's death, but our ability to love and care for others helps us to see that there is a purpose in someone's life And that purpose should be fulfilled until the appointment comes. But the real issue with the appointment of death is the aftermath of it. Whenever the aftermath comes, then it creates an issue. Again, the text says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, after that comes the judgment. Now, we all have an appointment with death. All of us do. We've already stated that. The judgment therein, that's uh, where's the problem, is the judgment. Some people have not one but two appointments with death. You say, oh no, preacher, don't tell us that. We're already dreading that first death. I understand that. There are two appointments with death. You have to really know that. Not everybody faces the second appointment, but many people do. We all face a judgment depending uh, uh, at the end of our lives, and depending on on which judgment we face, there could be a a second death. Now, for the believer, that is for everyone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, there is a judgment, and that judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ. That's where you want to be judged. You want to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now the intricacies of this judgment, we'll have to wait for another message, but understand that this is a reward judgment. It's not a punishment judgment. And you should know that the word evil there means worthless, not uh, wicked. It's a worthless thing. It's kind of like when you go into a thrift store and you go into the thrift store, and, and you're trying to make a decision if any of that stuff in there is worth anything to you. And you may walk out and say, well, that was all worthless to me. <clears throat> well, God is going to judge our works, and we're going to—it's uh, going to be determined whether or not they are worth any reward. This might clarify it for you some. 1 Corinthians 3.12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones— Uh, wood hay or straw each one's work will uh, become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done so that is the judgment seat of christ if you're a born again believer your uh, works in this life are going to be judged and your rewards are going to be given accordingly you say well pastor ray that sounds really really cool what are the war- rewards going to be? What am I going to get to have? Uh, I get to have a bigger place in heaven? Do I get to have uh, uh, some fancy clothes in heaven? Do I get to drive uh, uh, what uh, Justin Bieber's car in heaven? Uh, <clears throat> what, what do I get to do in, in heaven? How do they pay you off in heaven? They pay you off in crowns. He said, well, what am I going to spend a crown on? Only one thing there's only one thing you can spend. Uh, capital on in heaven. Everything else is provided. The only thing you can spend capital on in heaven is to lay those crowns at Jesus' feet. And so you earn those crowns in this life and the crowns are determined at the judgment seat of Christ. And you you walk up hopefully with with a boatload of crowns and you lay them at the master's feet. You don't want to go an empty-handed bee. You don't want to stand before the Lord while everyone is worshiping Him him with crowns and have no crown to lay at His feet. That's the great white throne, excuse me, that's the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment that you want to avoid is the great white throne judgment. That's found in the book of the Revelation and beginning in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and Him who was seated on it. From His presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. Now here is introduced something that some of you have never seen before. A second death. That is a death that never ends. It is the never-ending death. When my boys were small, one of the uh, young, one of the things that we enjoyed watching on television was the never-ending story. And we loved watching the never-ending story. I was always a little afraid of that big white flying dog, but still uh, we liked watching the never-ending story. Here's what I'm here to tell you. The never-ending story of of death and hell is not a story that everybody is going to enjoy or anybody is going to enjoy. It is a horrible place. And you can see how not having assurance of being forgiven of sin and knowing that heaven is our eternal home would cause some people to worry about the prospects of death. And I'll just say this, and I say this lovingly. I hope I say it kindly. There are some of you who are concerned. You are worried about the prospects of death. The idea of death bothers you, and I understand it bothering you. That is a result of knowing there is an appointment with death. Here's what some of you may be having. You may be having anxiety over death. Death in addition to having an appointment has a certain anxiety. In the Old Testament, there was a king who was facing the end of his life. And unlike most people, he had the assurance that he uh when the end would come and it bothered him greatly. And anybody who's facing the end of their lives or the idea of the end of their lives, they have a certain amount of sadness. My brother had an open heart surgery this week, and not open heart. Excuse me. He had a surgery, a heart surgery this week. It was a, uh, a, a stent surgery, but his heart is not a very strong heart, and he's had several before uh, like this. And I called him <clears throat> from Colorado because I wanted to tell my brother uh, that I was praying for him. I wanted to tell him that I loved him because we have a certain amount of anxiety over the end of life or over death. Here's what happened to a king named Hezekiah. 2 Kings 20 and verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember... How I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, behold, I will heal you. Now those were great words for Hezekiah hezekiah is like many of us he knew the lord uh, uh, he knew the lord and he also knew that uh, what a lot of people uh, not knew a lot of people in life and he didn't want to end his life he didn't want to leave his life there are a lot of reasons that i mean i'm ready to die every time i get on an airplane i think about that i'm ready to die but I, i will tell you that there are a lot of reasons that i want to live i have a wonderful family I have a great wife. I have I have three sons. They are the most aggravating human beings on the earth. But I just love my boys. And and two grandchildren, wonderful daughter-in-law, two grandchildren, two grandsons. Got a little little granddaughter on the way. I just, I love all of them. I just love them. And and there's a lot of reasons that I I want to live, but I'm not afraid to die. I'm prepared for it. But sometimes it can become a real anxiety. Let me tell you how it becomes an anxiety. First of all, the news causes us angst. Recently, I I received a report of someone who had been given a limited amount of time to live. I have, since I wrote this sermon a few weeks ago and today, that person passed away former member of this church, Marilyn Thompson. Marilyn Thompson passed away, and this person's a believer, a wonderful person, but by my standard, too young to be getting news like you've got a limited amount of time to live. But she did, and, and she's going to be with the Lord. And even though we believe that God appoints our time, it's hard to hear about our friends. It's hard to hear about our loved ones. It's even harder to bear news like this about ourselves. If, uh, if we know that we're going to die and we know that we have a limited amount of time, we're not eager for that. And anyone who tries to sell us the news uh, that it is exciting to think about death, well, that's just a Jonestown kind of a thing. It's not exciting to think about dying. It's exciting to think about uh, the afterlife. But the point of death is not something that any of us are excited about. It creates the news of of death to come, or the death has come, creates a certain amount of angst. It also creates some needs. God had told the prophet Isaiah to tell Hezekiah that his time was coming to an end, and that he needed to put his affairs in order. One of the fears of death is that those we leave behind may not be well provided for. That's a fear that we have most people do look it's a it's a normal thing to have to set your affairs in order there's there's a a need that comes with the news and here's what's natural Hezekiah was sad and he prayed for God to postpone his appointment with death God indeed did delay Hezekiah's death but eventually he did die like we all do we're appointed to one death, and that's for sure. It's for sure. Now, if that can't be delayed, then what is the answer to death's anxiety? Well, let me give you death's answer. If we understood death a little better, we could deal with it. Why do we die in the first place? Why can't we just live forever? Why, Why does why do we have to die? Well, there was an original intent. I mean, God uh, made Adam and Eve, and God made a garden, and they would be able to live forever. But there was something that was introduced into uh, the the life of mankind in our lives that created the reason for our death there's a reason that you 're going to die. The reason you 're going to die is is because of sin death is a result of sin and like other important uh, truths presented in this message uh, the the reality is that the eternal bliss that God had created gave away to the curse of death because of sin and there could be a whole series of messages just on on that original sin let's just look at one definitive verse that'll tell you how this all works in Romans 5 and verse 12 Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. What happened was that Adam was enticed to disobey God by eating the forbidden fruit. With Adam, the sin of eating the forbidden fruit where God had told him otherwise, with that came the sentence of death. It was absolute death. Here's what happens to us. We are born in sin. Again, let me go back to Lily Jane over here. Sweet, darling, precious child. I got to hold her before the service started. Just as precious as she can be. I hate, I hate to say this because she is innocent and she's in a time of innocence. But that sweet, precious little girl is born with a sin nature. She doesn't pick one up when she's three or pick one up. The, the, sin nature doesn't come at the terrible twos. It's there now. It just really begins to show up then. And then a, a three-year-old is, is a two-year-old with a year's experience, so it just gets worse. And you can go on and on with that. But the reality is that that, that sweet child is born in sin. Here's the further reality. All of us were born in sin. And then we chose it. We made a decision for it. And so I didn't decide. I didn't decide on sin. No, no, no. Not me. I just. It just comes over me. And you decide on it. You know, people ask me. Uh, they, they, you ever had somebody ask you. Do you believe certain people are born like this? You believe that people are are born with a certain tendency towards sin, and go ahead and fill in the blank. Any blank you want to. I know the blank most of you are filling in. you believe that people are born like that? I absolutely do. I believe we're all born in sin. I believe we're all born with tendencies. And it's up to us to seek God's help to overcome those sinful tendencies in our lives. If the Holy Spirit were to leave your life today, there's no telling what you would do. There's no telling who you would be. You say, Well, I would never do that. No, no, there's no telling what you would do or who you would be. We're all born with tendencies. And I think most of us know our tendencies. I have an addictive personality. I really do. I. I never touch alcohol of any kind for a lot of reasons. But one is because I know my addictive personality. Wouldn't you just have a little wine at a wedding? And and I'm not preaching about alcohol. I'm telling you about my, my tendency. I probably wouldn't any more than I'd have a little piece of pie. I don't want a little piece of pie. I want the dadgum pie. We were in Colorado, and there's this little place there called Sharky's, and there's a lady there that makes strawberry rhubarb pie. And we went for lunch one day, and I said, do you have strawberry rhubarb pie? She said, no, I don't, but I've got to make a pie. I said, if you'll make it tonight, I'll be here tomorrow. She said, okay, you'll have to wait till lunch. You're not a doorbuster, are you? I said, well, kind of, but I'll wait till lunch. And I went back the next day. They cut me a piece of pie as big as my Bible. I was so happy. I spoke in tongues, and I'm not even Pentecostal. You say, well, Pastor Ray, that that probably didn't hurt you. No, but going back to lunch the next day hurt me a little bit because they cut me another piece of pie that was the size of the Bible. It just got bigger. Had I had another day, I would have eaten that whole pie. That's why I don't have a little wine at a wedding. And, and on and on it goes. Or that's one of the reasons. So we have to understand that there's a reason for our death. We're born in sin and we choose it. Now what is the response? Sometimes I look at the way that things are going in the world we're in and I wonder if there's no end to the meanness and the madness and the irresponsibility have you seen on, you've seen on the news that knockout game? You've seen that, uh, where they, that teenagers are just, I guess they're teenagers, just knocking people out. Not, how many of you have seen that? Any of you seen that? I just wonder, is there no end to, it, to this? Is there no end to the, is There is there no response to our world situation? Is there, is there, no, I mean, we it's, the Olympics are about to start in Russia and and everybody is on edge because they think that there's, there's three black widows, they're called, in the country who uh, will kill people. What is going on in our, in our world today? What is, the, what is the response to all of this? How can this get fixed? How can I get fixed? How can you get it fixed? Well, here's the fix. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. God indeed has a response to the the sentence of sin, and it's the gift of eternal life. That's the response. You say, well, I believe that God's going to weigh the good against the bad. The the Bible says there's none that doeth good, no not one. We can't do enough good to weigh it against the sin of our lives. It is the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. It is what my dear, wonderful, lovely friend Paulette sang about today. The blood will never lose its power. That's what it's about dear. That's what it's about Paulette. That's what you sang and what it's about. That is the only payment for our sin is Jesus Christ. He is the response, and his life was the ransom for our sins. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. In John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is the answer. The reason the, the young lady stole the Gideon Bible and ended up being saved was because in that Bible she read that she was a sinner and there was an answer to her sin and his name is Jesus. Jesus. That's what she read, and that's what she understood. And friends, please know that if any of us, whether we are uh, residents of Tallahassee or heathens in another part of the world, the answer is always and ever will be Jesus Christ. He paid the ransom for our sin. You may not be eager to take the trip through the valley of the shadow of death. But you can know that on the other side is life, not another sentence of death. What would it be to die and then face another sentence of death? Well, how can we know that one death is all that we'll face? Well, that's the final thing, and that's death's retreat. If all of us were perfectly honest, there would be some who would have to say, I'm afraid of death. I'm not just afraid of dying. I'm afraid of death. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm just afraid of it. You can make that fear go away. You can make that uncertainty go away by knowing for absolute certain that you're completely right with God based on your place in Jesus Christ. You can know it. Here is... How the fear of death and dying can retreat from you and from those who love you. John 3:36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. John 11:26. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? It's an act of faith. This can only happen when we're honest with ourselves about where we stand with God. To be sure that all of us us are sinners and we must understand that God died on the cross for all of us, for all of our sins, that Jesus Christ died for all of our sins. The question is this, what do you do with it? How do you appropriate that? Well, I live in a Christian nation. And so I know that I'm going to heaven because I live in a Christian nation. Is that the way that it works? Does it rub off on you? Did you come to church so that salvation would rub off on you today? Look, if, if Jesus, if you were to die today and, and God stood at the, the gate of heaven and he said, why should I allow you into my heaven?" would you say some would say I've lived a good life he said no no all have sinned you were born in it and you can give one answer after another I've been baptized that's an act what I want to know is why should I let you in here the only answer is because I have received your son Jesus Christ as my only Lord and Savior. He's my only reason, my only hope. This is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And today I want to give you the opportunity to come to the Father through You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.